Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me.
Everybody thinks we're wrong But our mother Who are they to judge us? Mother, mother Simply calls me where I hell on Mother, mother From nowhere near the corner of 3rd and Fairfax in Southern California, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to a Whatever Happened to the Pandemic edition of the show. In fact, we'll focus, I will, nobody else here, uh, today on the other stuff that uh, gets ignored when two stories dominate the news of the week, not just one. Speaking of news, people are still, I guess, discovering this. Nearly a dozen local U.S. TV channels aired segments about Amazon that included footage in a script produced by Amazon's PR department. As I say, this has been going on since local TV news was invented, pretty much. These were called um, video news releases, and... uh, they were run as if they were news reports because, you know, we, we don't have enough staff to... The segments, according to the Guardian newspaper, appeared on at least 11 local news stations, did they? The segments praised Amazon's response to the coronavirus pandemic just ahead of the company's stockholders meeting. Following weeks of controversy over the company's handling of the COVID-19 crisis. Amazon has been accused of denying workers sick leave, failing to provide adequate protection in warehouses, and retaliating against workers who speak out against those conditions. I'd say that calls for a press release. In response, it appears the language and footage in the segment were part of a pre-written story. Amazon sent around to reporters, reporters, (laughs) uh, people who man desks in uh, TV stations in the United States. Uh, Zach Rail, a reporter at Oklahoma City station KOCO, tweeted he'd received an email containing footage of Amazon facilities and a script for the news anchor, which included phrases like, quote, for the first time, we're getting a glimpse inside Amazon's fulfillment centers to see just how the company is keeping its employees safe and healthy. Let's go right now. Sorry. Courier, a news outlet, found at least 11 local stations had used the Amazon script verbatim. Outlets that did that were in West Virginia, Miami, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Georgia. Why does that come as a surprise? Don't look at me that way. A video shows anchors at the stations repeating the same phrases, including the company is keeping its employees safe and healthy. Well, you, if you're going to run the video, you got to use the script. Verbatim, an Amazon spokeswoman told The Guardian it had been transparent that the video came from Amazon. And it was not a promotional video. Quote, we welcome reporters into our buildings, and it's misleading to suggest otherwise. According to the spokeswoman, quote, this type of video was created to share an inside look at the health and safety measures we've rolled out in our buildings. It was intended for reporters who, for a variety of reasons, weren't able to come tour one of our sites themselves. Unquote. 
spokeswoman said the video package had been released as part of a uh, wire. Yeah, probably PR Newswire. The Oklahoma reporter said he was sent the package directly from a PR representative at Amazon. There are confirmed coronavirus cases in at least 50 Amazon warehouses. At least eight employees have died after contracting the virus. But that wasn't in the pack, the news, really. As I say, it's been happening since um, they fired up the transmitters. And yet, it's still news. And now... News of Dominion. Dominion. Yeah, that's what I said. I just didn't pronounce it so totally goofily, did I? That's what I mean. It's hard to cool river water heated to temperatures that could kill salmon, so the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency now suggests Oregon and Washington State change the designated uses of the Columbia and Snake Rivers so they're longer, they're no longer expressly for salmon. See how easy that is? In a new report, the EPA outlined the legal rationale for lowering the bar on environmental standards when they're difficult to meet. Oregon and Washington State have designated salmon habitat as one of the official uses of the rivers. That means the states must take action to ensure they're safe for salmon. The spawning and the migration thing. Under certain circumstances, states can decide that certain uses of the rivers, like designated salmon habitat, are not attainable. Such attainability analyses are usually applied in situations like Superfund sites, where the habitat has been so heavily polluted that you can forget about it. That's not the case in the Snake and Columbia Rivers, where every year an average of two million salmon return to the rivers and streams of their birth and go, what the hell happened here? It's absurd, says Brett Vandenhuvel, executive director of the Columbia Riverkeeper organization. The environmental group is a plaintiff in the lawsuit that forced the EPA to produce the new report, says Vandenhuvel. They're suggesting that one option of addressing this conflict is to say we're not going to protect salmon from hot water and we're not going to consider salmon's use of the river. Unquote. The EPA notes in its report that whether to launch an attainability analysis is up to the states, not the feds. But uh, there are federal rollbacks coming that will make it harder for states to enforce regulations under the Clean Water Act. So um, seems like we're looking at the future. The EPA's court-ordered report blamed sources outside its control for its inability to ensure that major rivers, once teeming with salmon almost year-round, remain, like, habitable, if not teeming. It pointed to warming air temperatures caused by climate change and increased human use of the reservoirs behind the dams along the Canadian stretch of the Upper Columbia River. Blame Canada! But the report concluded the main culprits are the basin's 14 federal dams, that would be in the United States, built and administered by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, our old friends. They tried. And the uh, shallow reservoirs that lay slack behind the dams, which sit there soaking up the sun's rays, as if that wouldn't mean the water would get warm. It found river water heated by dams to temperatures lethal to migrating salmon would not be sufficiently cooled by any actions humans might consider 
you know, feasible. The Clean Water Act requires the federal government to measure pollution and determine the maximum amount of each pollutant that can be allowed while still protecting species like salmons. In this case, the pollutant is heat. It's been killing salmon since the government started building dams nearly a century ago, but federal agencies have never issued a report evaluating heat pollution, something required by the Clean Water Act. But, you know, if you're going to have somebody violate the law, might as well be the uh, government that made it a law. The EPA's report evaluates all causes of higher water temperature in the Columbia and Snake, determines how much pollution needs to be reduced. The maximum water temperature salmon can take is 68 degrees Fahrenheit. I had salmon this morning, and, and he told me that. Isn't that wild? Unlike most academic studies, this one is legally binding under the Clean Water Act. The state of Washington issued rules requiring the report be part of the permitting process the Army Corps must undergo to operate its dams. The state has required the Corps to cool the rivers to temperatures salmon can survive. Now, Washington State has the formal assessment it needs to enforce those rules. <laughs> the rivers could be cooled by increasing the amount of water dam operators spill over instead of send through the turbines. They could also reduce the volume of water that sits behind the dams in those warm, shallow reservoirs. The EPA report, though, found such actions are life- likely a half measure. Government agencies have not modeled scenarios that would succeed in returning the rivers to 68 or less. Another proposal has been debated for decades, breaching the four federal dams on the Lower Snake. That was called for by uh, Washington Governor Jay Inslee's Southern Resident Orca Task Force. That is not a task force peopled with orcas. That determined that the main problem facing endangered orca is lack of the Chinook salmon they eat. A 2019 economic study found that the economic benefits of breaching the dams far outweigh those of keeping them operating. Van and Heuvel says breaching the four snake dams is an obvious choice. In February of this year, the Army Corps released its draft environmental impact statement. Those are always good reading. The Army Corps' environmental statements. That contained its plan to avoid causing the extinction of salmon by opening dams in the Columbia and Snake. That was a sixth such document ordered by the court in a dispute going way back to 2001, when the space oddity... No, it found that breaching the four dams on the Lower Snake, did the Army Corps, would provide the highest benefits to endangered salmon. The uh, rate of return for young salmon and steelhead migrating would improve by 170%, according to the Army Corps, but it rejected that option because of the loss of clean electricity it would create. Because, you know, we got uh, Dominion. The EPA suggested another path, changing the designated uses of the rivers so they're no longer expressly for salmon. The EPA declined to clarify that statement, according to Courthouse News, despite repeated requests to do so. Because they didn't have any idea how they could. No, that's my surmise. The agency refused to answer any questions about its report, like possible uses for it. Here's one. We got Dominion. Who's going to stop us? Us. Or not. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, won't you join me in savoring the apology to the week? We're so sorry. So much to uh, dig this week. It would uh, almost suggest that uh, there's still a racial problem in the United States. Lil Nas X, him of Old Town Road fame, quickly apologized for a tweet he sent out about a civil war in the wake of ongoing protests across America. What y'all wearing to the civil war, he wrote. There were quite a few people who didn't think his joke was funny. <laughs> and they let the young artist know just how much they disapproved of his tweet. In turn, Lil Ness X took a more serious tone. That might work. I am sorry for not using my platform to speak up more on the situation. I honestly feel as though... I don't think he means the guy from Jersey Shore either. I honestly feel as though it has become so normalized that even I myself am numb to police brutality toward black people. I hope this time around, something changes. The Phoenix police chief, Phoenix, Arizona, apologized this week for guidelines set out by the department earlier in the week, saying that working journalists would be subject to arrest if they failed to leave a scene where officers had asked a crowd to disperse. Why... That would mean that the techniques and tactics the officers used could not be scrutinized by the public and public officials. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it mean that? Anyway, quote, I want to apologize for a statement our Public Affairs Bureau issued earlier about unlawful assembly, said the statement from Police Chief Jerry Williams, J-E-R-I. The Phoenix Police Department fully supports the free press and journalists' right to report the news. Earlier... The same day, the department said, if you participate in a protest that turns early, unruly, sorry, and everyone is ordered to leave, and if you don't peacefully disperse, you will be arrested. It was extended to journalists in a memo sent out by the department's Public Affairs Bureau. I think they should busy themselves with sending out video news releases instead. Shamik Moore apologized this week for a series of controversial tweets in connection to the murder of George Floyd and other recent instances of police misconduct. He uh, wrote on the on his social media platform, wherever it is, Essence didn't tell me what it is, that, quote, black people were capable of saving or protecting themselves from racist violence. Quote, no, that wasn't a quote, that was a summation, but here he is quoted, look, all I'm saying is, in the moment when we are experiencing race Racism, can we, the black community, find ways to avoid being killed or hunted? See, I have a very strong opinion that the black community hates to hear but needs to hear. We need to learn how to deal with police and or racism because this is the part of the scenario we have failed to fix. Unquote. Shamik Moore. Hours later, after the backlash started, he claimed his tweets were taken out of context. On his uh, Instagram live session, he said, I did not mean to offend any of the back black community. My heart is in a place of growth. I want us to grow. He said the problem was how I said it and when I said it. It was wrong timing. I screwed up in that way. And he didn't say screwed. The Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse star, in case you were wondering, I did keep you wondering all this time, said he failed to fully think through the implications of his statements and that these themes would be explored in his future film work. Can't wait. Hope Spidey's in it. 
Dateline Louisville, Kentucky, a police officer was seen on camera firing what appeared to be pepper balls at a news... Are any other parts of the pepper edible? Uh, at a news crew during a live television broadcast of the second night of Louisville protests, prompting an apology from the Louisville Metro Police. A crew was co- uh, covering demonstrations over the death of Breonna Taylor, a black woman killed by police in her own home in March. Officers in riot gear stood shoulder to shoulder, moving people down a key street. And then a reporter, Caitlin Rust, was heard yelling off camera, I've been shot, I've been shot. Video shows a police officer aimed directly at the camera crew. I want to apologize, Louisville police spokeswoman Jesse Halliday told the local paper. It's not something that should have occurred if she was singled out as a reporter. Halliday said she couldn't tell who the officer was at the time, but police would review review the video again. That would be a re-review, and if we need to do any investigation for discipline, we will do that. At Louisville police discipline. Notorious. The video shows Rust and the camera crew moving away as the indignant studio anchors ask if they're okay. Well, I'm sure if they had just have said move, you would have done so, an anchor said. Louisville's protests followed the release of a 911 call Taylor's boyfriend made moments after the 26-year-old emergency medical technician was shot eight times by narcotics detectives who knocked down her front door. No drugs were found in her home. There's an oops. Dateline Thomas River, New Jersey, the death of a black man at the hands of police in Minnesota has prompted an apology from a restaurant in New Jersey. Riv's Tom's River Hub issued the mea culpa on its Facebook page for a provocative sign it posted six years ago in response to the homicide of Eric Garner, the original I Can't Breathe victim. I can breathe. I obey the law, the electronic sign blared outside the uh, restaurant, which had a different name in those days. The old sign has come back to haunt them as the nation's attention is on uh, the Floyd killing. A New Jersey comedian resurfaced a picture of the old sign. We're all trying to do our best to help small businesses, but during this time, or during this time, but let's make sure we're helping the ones that deserve it, he says. Besides their family serving crap food to the public since they first opened being anti-vax and sharing pandemic propaganda... Since we've been quarantined, the Rivalies first went public as garbage human beings by exploiting the death of Eric Garner and are not worth your time and money during this pandemic. That was by this comedian, John Provoromo. Riv's Tom's River Hub responded by saying that what was done to George Floyd is a disgrace. There's no way we'd support that. The post that is circulating right now is from over six years. And if I could go back in time, I wouldn't post that on my signage. Again, we apologize. So much growth can happen over six years. A CNN crew was arrested by Minnesota State Police Friday morning while uh, the reporter was giving a live television report in Minneapolis where the crew was covering the ongoing protests. The arrest drew an apology from the state's governor. Tim Waltz told CNN President Jeff Zucker that he deeply apologizes for what happened. Toronto Mayor John Tory has apologized for not properly physical distancing at Trinity Bellwoods Park over the weekend after Tory was 
photographed interacting with crowds at the popular Toronto Park. The Internet was quick to criticize the mayor for not practicing what he preaches. You know, kind of like Dominic Cummings in Britain, except he didn't apologize. I want to apologize for my personal behavior yesterday. I visited the park to try to determine why things were the way they were, said the mayor. Always a good plan. I fully intended to properly physically distance, but it was very difficult to do. I wore a mask into the park, but I failed to use it properly. Another thing I'm disappointed about. <laughs> how, how did he use the mask? One might ask. The mayor continued by apologizing and saying that as the leader of Toronto, he must set a better example going forward. Multiple images circulated across social media of hordes of people flocking, Canadians, flocking to the park while visitors disregarded the rules put in place to keep them safe. <laughs> Americans wouldn't do that. Amer uh, Austria's President Alexander van der Bellen this is another coronavirus apology. He's apologized after staying at a restaurant beyond the coronavirus-related closing time of 11 p.m. He remained at the restaurant in Vienna until after midnight. He said he'd lost track of the time. He's 76. Well, while speaking with friends at the Italian restaurant in the center of the city, Austria was one of the first countries in Europe to follow Italy in imposing a strict lockdown and serve calamari at the same time. It was also one of the first to begin easing its restrictions. I'm sincerely sorry, said the Austrian president. It was a mistake. I went out for the first time since the lockdown with two friends and my wife. We then lost track of the time while chatting. He was spotted by police in the outside dining area of the restaurant shortly after midnight. The restaurant could be fined for a breach, but the president said he would take responsibility if the owner suffers any losses as a result of the incident. He said he thought all customers were allowed to stay on the terrace beyond 11 if they wished, you know, like if they were still too tipsy to leave. Dateline Collierville, Tennessee, a popular Collierville restaurant, took to social media to apologize to their community and two people at the center of a controversial incident. Thursday, two employees were responsible for writing, quote, black people, unquote, at the top of a receipt. Derek Gray said he used to work in the restaurant industry, so he knows how things should work. You don't categorize by age, race, or sex. You categorize by, categorize by what they have on or what table they're sitting at, he said. When he was given his receipt after ordering food at Booyah's in Collierville, his jaw dropped. The words black people were printed at the top. I tried my best to be as nice as I can about it, and it seemed like the response was like, okay, that's fine, sorry about that. They weren't satisfied with the apology, so they made a post on Facebook. Later in the afternoon, the owners apologized him over the phone. He, Gray accepted the apology. It's sad that I'm used to it because it happens all the time. I guess when you eat at Booyah's... No, it has nothing to do with it. Dayline Salem, Oregon, answering questions from reporters since the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. The director of the state's beleaguered employment department issued an apology to Oregonians still waiting for benefits. And you can take that apology to the bank. Waiting for confirmation can be agonizing, Kay Erickson said. And for the thousands of Oregonians who are still waiting, I apologize. Erickson said complexities were created by the CARES Act combined with the agency's out-of-date computer system. They contributed to the lag in claims being processed. Republican lawmakers have called the state's response to the record unemployment records numbers a failure that has left vulnerable Oregonians without the financial support they need. Yes, Republicans want more unemployment insurance paid, but it's Oregon. 
the uh, one of the representatives in the state house pointed out the state's antiquated computer system was a known quantity, and money allocated to upgrading it went unspent for years. Again, Republican complaining about not spending money. This pandemic does crazy things. Doja Cat, a rapper singer whose given name is Amaralaratna Zandil Diamini, Zandile Diamini, is speaking out if after the hashtag Doja Cat's Over Party started showing up on Twitter over the weekend. That's a way of calling for somebody to be canceled. Doja Cat is over. Under fire, I say. She was accused of participating in a racist video chant and wrote a call, wrote a song in 2015 called Didn't Do Nothing, a racist slur of mocking, mocking victims of police brutality. Doja Cat took to Twitter to issue an apology, but also denied that she ever personally made racist remarks in a chat room. I shouldn't have been on some of those chat room sites, but I personally have never been involved in any racist conversations. I'm sorry to everyone I offended. Why did she do the song, Didn't Do Nothing? I'm a black woman. Half of my family is black from South Africa, and I'm very proud of where I come from. And for the old song that's resurfaced, it was in no way tied to anything outside of my own personal experience. It was written in response to people who often use that term to hurt me. I made an attempt to flip its meaning, but recognized it was a bad choice to use that term in my music. Now comes this week's Slavery Assignment Apology. Richland County School District 1 in Columbia, South Carolina, is apologizing for a fourth-grade social studies assignment meant to teach students about slavery after they received complaints from parents. The e-learning worksheet assigned to all fourth-graders asked students to, quote, write a journal entry responding to the following prompt, choose to be a slave or a slave owner. Write a journal entry that describes your daily activities before the Civil War, unquote. The worksheet was created as part of the district's remote learning, brought on by the coronavirus. The question was in a packet sent to schools in March. Spokeswoman Karen York sent in a statement. The assignment spawned a wave of complaints from parents, which the district addressed. The district publicly apologized for the assignment. In very quickly pulling together learning activities for students to complete at home, the sample lesson activity on slavery was inadvertently included in the fourth grade social studies learning packet, said the superintendent. When it was brought to our attention back in March, it was addressed at that time. The activity was inappropriate and should not have been included. Students should not complete the activity, and their grade will not be impacted by leaving the activity blank. We regret that this occurred and apologize for any offense taken by any of our students, said one school board member. I don't think you can brush that time period under the carpet, but there's a right way to teach it. While many of those commenting on the image posted to Facebook expressed outrage that the assignment would be approved for children, others said the assignment forced students to confront the horrors of slavery. The state's education standards require fourth graders to learn about the slave trade, how slavery led to the Civil War, and about Reconstruction according to the Department of Education's website. The decision, what materials to use, is made by the district. Some non-racially related... Oh, no, one more. Sorry. The New York woman, the white woman who called police on a black man birdwatching in Central Park after the two argued about her unleashed dog, she has apologized. Kristen Cooper, the... uh, African-American 
Birder took a screen grab of her encounter with him in the Ramble area of Central Park, a fairly uh, wooded area. Amy Cooper told CNN she wanted to publicly apologize to everyone. I'm not a racist. I did not mean to harm that man in any way. She didn't mean any harm to the African-American community. She was walking her dog when Christian Cooper, no relation to Amy Cooper, was birdwatching. Her dog was not on a leash, contrary to the Rambles' rules. He recorded a video of part of their encounter. She uh, said she's going to call the cops because he was videoing her. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. The police department responded. Neither Cooper was present. No arrests nor summonses were made. Quote, Amy Cooper, I think I was just scared. When you're alone in the ramble, you don't know what's happening. It's not excusable. It's not defensible. I videotaped it because I thought it was important to document things, said Christian Cooper. Unfortunately, we live in an era with things like Ahmad Arbery, where black men are seen as targets. This woman thought she could exploit that to her advantage. I wasn't having it. Unquote. The male Cooper. Electronics giant LG's Poland operation, did you know, has posted an apology and removed all its other content from TikTok after backlash over a sexist video the brand shared on the platform. The video was initially made by a viral prank creator. They didn't tell you about that in high school counseling, did they? There's a career. Viral prank creator. The video features a man taking photos up the skirt of a woman climbing stairs. When she confronts him, he shows her he was only taking selfies, revealing after she walks away that he actually was taking upskirt photos. (laughs) The account, LG Poland, no longer includes any videos except the apology message. We apologize for any offense this ill-conceived video may have caused. We will strive to prevent such an occurrence from happening again in the futures. The uh, creator was Sawardega has 4.1 million followers, often creates prank videos centered on a man meant to look elderly. They're so funny, the old people. Jimmy Fallon apologized on Tuesday after drawing criticism for a Saturday Night Live sketch from 2000 featuring him in blackface when it resurfaced online this week. He was portraying comedian Chris Rock while talking to Daryl Hammond, who was playing Regis Philbin. NBC had removed the video from the Internet, but clips had been circulating online. I made a terrible decision to do an impersonation of Chris Rock while in blackface. There is no excuse for this, Fallon wrote. I'm very sorry for making the unquestionably offensive decision and thank all of you for holding me accountable. (laughs) Hashtag Jimmy Fallon is over party began trending on Twitter. And the irony is that his boss on the show he's on now... The Tonight Show was his boss on the show where he did the blackface sketch. Isn't that nutty? And finally, Dateline Canby, Oregon, the owner of Bricks and Minifigs in Canby, has apologized for a Facebook video since deleted in which he tore up a copy of the governor's reopening guidelines and ranted about her new requirements for face coverings in retail settings, says David Thornton owner-operator of the store. I did go off the rails a little bit. It was a hard month. I'm not going to make excuses. Isn't it? It was a hard month as an excuse? 
No. But I did do some inappropriate things, and I made some inappropriate comments as well. The store is an independently owned franchise of a nationwide collection of stores selling new and used Lego sets, pieces, and figures. Although I wouldn't put it past them. Don't get me started on Lego, ladies and gentlemen. He was originally going to open the store, reopen, uh, in open defiance of the mask mandate, but after discussions later that day with the corporate office, which reminded him of the stipulations of his franchise agreement requiring adherence to laws, Thornton reversed course, agreeing to follow the law, while vowing to continue the fight to fight it for reasons of health, safety, and personal freedom. I made a mistake. I did. I have a venue with my friends and my customers, and I used it inappropriately. It wasn't fair to my viewers. It wasn't fair to any of the children. It wasn't fair to the other bricks and minifig stores. It wasn't fair to anybody, really. It wasn't fair to the governor and the hard work she's been doing. I was the adult in the room, and I should have made better choices. To the other locally owned stores of the franchise chain in Portland, Beaverton, and Eugene, if this is cascaded toward you, I apologize. It was not my intention. Just a fight against mass, ladies and gentlemen, which, like so much else, needs its own song. Ain't no Muslim woman 
This is the show, and uh, now a few notes on what a smart world we live in. One of the features of the smart world is that um, software that you used to buy, you know, like you paid for it, you bought it, it lived on your computer or as an app on your uh, mobile device, and uh, you could use it as if it were yours. Of course, it wasn't yours. That's the wonderful new world of tech where what you buy, you don't really own. But uh, especially when a tech company decides, oh, no, 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 your software no longer lives on your device. It lives on ours. We call it the cloud. How can a cloud come down? How can a cloud crash? Because they're not really clouds. Adobe technicians scrambled this week to restore multiple cloud services after a severe outage left customers stranded without a cloud. Uh, Adobe's status board began lighting up with red outage notifications first thing Wednesday morning. Thirteen major issues were ongoing. Five had been resolved. Issues meaning people couldn't use some of their software in the cloud, nor access their documents. They're not your documents. Creative Cloud reported H8 major issues in progress. uh, Experience Cloud had two. Welcome to Experience Cloud. There is no experience here now. And Adobe Services had four. Adobe didn't respond to a request for more information about the problems, according to the Register, the British Tech Journal. The status board said... Not all customers were necessarily affected by the breakdown. The Photoshop giant support account said an inquiry into the outage is underway. Customers who recall when Adobe software ran locally limited their dependence on the cloud. Adobe's servers are currently down, wrote one Twitter user who does animation for a living. If you pay for any of their software, you can't use it right now. Remember when we used to own our own software? Question mark. N- yeah, but not really. This this was all set in motion by some, some really tiny type about uh, two decades ago. It's a license. You bought a license. That's all. Isn't that smart? And now... He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He peeks at no stoops. He's an... Inspector General. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. The chief watchdog for the Department of Health and Human Services is being replaced as part of President Trump's purge of Inspectors General. She told lawmakers this week in Congress that sometimes they make laws that freedom from political intrusion is, quote, a key safeguard for the programs we oversee, unquote. Christy Grimm. <laughs> Health and Human Services Principal Deputy Inspector General spoke out for the first time since she was excoriated 
by the president for a report from her office that found severe shortages early this spring of supplies to help hospitals cope with the coronavirus thing. Grimm defended that inquiry and its findings, telling members of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform that it was warranted, though she said the department has since addressed some of the problems the report identified. Personally and professionally, I cannot let the idea of providing unpopular information drive decision-making in the work we do, she said, speaking calmly as a sole witness at a briefing conducted by video conference. She called an independence the cornerstone of what any office of inspector general does. She said government watchdogs must go right down the middle in providing facts and letting facts take us where they may. Unquote. That sounds suspiciously like science. A career employee with HHS Inspector General's office for more than two decades, Grimm said she and her colleagues are pursuing 14 additional reviews of the department's response to the pandemic. Inquiries are exploring the operation of the Strategic National Stockpile of Emergency Supplies, the development and distribution of tests by the CDC, that didn't go so well, and the process by which the FDA approves tests developed by outside laboratories. They're also delving into safety issues in nursing homes, which account for a disproportionate share of cases and deaths. But, you know, you don't really need an independent person to do that. You could get anybody off the street. And I think they have. Now, ladies and gentlemen, some news of the warm. The ice shelves surrounding the Antarctic coastline retreated at speeds of up to 165 feet per day, not recently, at the end of the last ice age. Far more rapid movement than the satellite-derived retreat rates observed today. That's according to new research out of Cambridge University. Hey, Cambridge. I spoke there. The study, led by the Scott Polar Research Institute there, used patterns of delicate wave-like ridges on the Antarctic seafloor to calculate how quickly the ice retreated about 12,000 years ago during regional deglaciation. It sounds so nice when you put it that way. The ridges were produced where the ice sheet began to float and were caused by the ice squeezing the sediment on the seafloor as it moved up and down with the movement of the tides. The images of these landforms are at unprecedented resolution, fine, fine resolution, and were acquired from an autonomous underwater vehicle. I think we'll be seeing those before we see self-driving cars, but you never know. By examining the fast footprint of the ice sheet, the past footprint of the ice sheet, and looking at sets of ridges on the seafloor, we were able to obtain new evidence on maximum past ice retreat rates, which are very much faster than those observed in even the most sensitive parts of Antarctica today, said one of the leaders of the study, except he spoke in an English accent. Ongoing environmental changes are transforming forests worldwide, resulting in shorter and younger trees. That's going to have broad impacts on global ecosystems. In a global study published in Science Magazine, researchers, including experts at the University of Birmingham, not Birmingham, it's over in England, it's Birmingham, showed how rising temperatures and carbon dioxide have been altering the world's forests. The uh, alterations are caused by increased stress, I know the feeling, babe, and carbon dioxide fertilization, and through increasing the frequency and severity of disturbances such as wildfire, your wildfire, your drought, your wind damage, and other natural enemies of trees. I don't know if trees see them as enemies. Do trees have friends? Combined with forest harvests, the earth has witnessed a dramatic decrease in the age and stature 
of forests and of humans. The study was led by the Department of Energy's Pacific Northwest National Laboratory and uh, analysis carried out by the Birmingham Institute of Forest Research. A researcher at the BIFOR said the study reviews mounting evidence that climate change is accelerating tree mortality, increasingly pushing the world's forests towards being both younger and shorter. This is likely to have big implications, said Dr. Tom Pugh, for the services those forests provide, such as mitigating climate change. Who needs that? Increasing rates of tree mortality driven by climate and land use change, combined with the uncertainty in the mix of species that will form the next generation. <laughs> so now, now we're supposed to care about the next generation. News of the Warm, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. So the pattern of this year, stay home, come back out. No, you you better stay home. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time on the radio, whenever you want it, on your audio device of choice. And it would be just like we don't have to relive 1968 all over again if you'd agree to join me again, would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for me, spelled moi, the playlist of the music heard here on your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.